You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, the more people ask for these changes, the less I think people understand what comes with change. Meanwhile, used to always teach me this. Now, lo and behold, we got it in the college football world. I'm Josh Pate. This is the Late Kick Extra podcast for either Tuesday or Wednesday, the 20th or 21st of February, depending on when you're listening. Happy to have you with us. It's college football. We do this thing all year round, but this time every week, we do a special mailbag podcast only edition. You can't find this entire thing wire to wire on YouTube, although you can find little clips of it on YouTube. We're in a nice, cozy little side studio here at CBS and uh, and what was formerly CMT today. So we're happy to have you with us. I am going to dive right into the mailbag, and then I'll just get the pleasantries out of the way as we go on. I got some odds and ends to talk to you about as well. So let's get to the first question, and it is from Robbie. He said, do the people rooting for the big ACC brands to break out of their ESPN contract understand what that means for an unavoidable future for the sport from Stony Brook, New York? I think this is a good question. I think the answer is no. I don't think a lot of people understand what they're uh, rooting for. So this happens a lot. Like anytime you have something that's status quo, you've got certain people, candidly, I'm one of those people in different walks of life, that root for change just to see things shaken up, just to see the ant hill kicked over, just to shake up the Coke bottle and then open the top, just to see what happens. It's fun. However, there's a disproportionate amount of time spent on wishing for change and not nearly enough time spent on uh, reflecting what the change would bring. What are the consequences? What's the collateral damage sometimes that happens? So Robbie's asking about this whole FSU thing and Clemson maybe trying to get out, North Carolina trying to get out. What, what if the ACC just has some teams break away? Well, I don't know what the chain reaction is. My thought, Robbie, my best guess is that some of them go to the Big Ten, maybe some of them go to the SEC, I don't know if that means the ACC absorbs other teams like the Big 12 just did or if they cease to exist like the Pac-12 just did. Either way, it's it's lame um, because it gets us further and further away from what I think is the closest to perfect structure for college football in this day and age. But I've found this to be the case in a lot of different avenues of our sport. 
and I sometimes get made fun of, which is okay. It is your constitutional right to do so. But I sometimes get made fun of because I sound like an 80-year-old guy who's resisting every single change. Well, I don't resist every single change to the sport. I resist the changes that I think will either take us down the wrong path or at the very least haven't been thought through to their logical conclusion. So case in point, when we were talking about Transfer Portal or when we were talking about NIL or when we were talking about conference realignment even, I don't have a problem having the discussion, Robbie, or anyone else listening. I've never had a problem with that playoff expansion. Never had a problem talking about it. And you and I can disagree on it. That's cool. That's fine. It's just college football at the end of the day. But when I press someone on their beliefs or their opinions and they can't talk it through to a logical conclusion and get me to the finish line, if I see they've only started the race in their mind, but they haven't finished the race, then Robbie... I have to sit there and say, okay, that, that's fair, but do we really need to be pushing for this thing you want if you yourself can't even tell me where it's going? Because you know, if we're playing a game of Monopoly and we want to try out some new rules, I'm okay if like Bradley and I sit down to play Monopoly and he says, hey, let's make up a new rule. And I ask him, Bradley, how do you think it's going to play out? And he says, I don't know. Let's just go with it. Okay, it's just a board game. It doesn't matter. But when you have something as consequential in our lives as college football, I don't necessarily love the idea of college football being treated as this experimentation vehicle. Go try that on something else. Go try that on soccer if you want to. How about that? Yeah, go overseas and try to mess with their sport. See how they take it. They wouldn't take it very well, and neither do we. So, Robbie, to answer your question, no, I don't know that a lot of people have thought it through. Now, if I'm a Florida State fan, I don't care about that because that's a different set of lenses you're putting on. If I'm a Florida State fan and they're saying, we just went undefeated. We won our conference. We're in a quote-unquote power five at the time, and we still didn't make the 14 playoff because why? Because we don't feel like our affiliation could carry us over the finish line. Well, then I want out, and I don't really care what it does to the rest of the sport because I'm selfish. I'm not even blaming them. That's how I'd feel if I were a Florida State fan. But if you're you're looking at this holistically, like if you're looking at it from, from 50 or 60,000 feet, no, a lot of these folks don't know what they're wishing for. And it's been that way for a long time. And uh, that's why I sound hesitant on a lot of these things. It's not because I'm resisting change. I'm resisting unnecessary change because it's not all progress. And number two, I'm resisting walking into a dark room before we find the light switch and closing the door behind us. That's, that's just what I want to try and avoid. There's a lot going on in the sport right now. A lot going on. I know some of you may be, you know, just happening to be within earshot of this pod and maybe you're you're riding around with someone maybe you're in the gym and someone forgot their earbuds and you can just hear it yeah this february yeah we're talking college football we do this all year round so if you're looking for that without all the hot takes and whatnot yeah we do it here um you want to help us out subscribe that's all i need you to do next up jed hit us up he said what has to go right between now and december for the perception to change for the better for Billy Napier and the Florida Gators from Fort Myers, Florida. Ooh, that's a loaded question. So I think what has to happen is they've got to deliver on the field. That's what has to happen. And I think that it bears repeating. they got a really, really difficult schedule this year. But look, uh, so the Billy Napier experiment, uh, which, which I think is fair to call it that because you call any coach that until it starts to work out, then it's not an experiment anymore. Uh, Kirby Smart's not an experiment at Georgia. The Billy Napier experience is still an experiment. 
They just have to deliver on the field. I'm not putting a number on that. I'm not telling you they got to win nine games or eight games or ten games. What I think they have to look like this year is a team that doesn't have the problems last year's team had. Last year's team, we were at the Utah game. Remember, we were out there in Salt Lake City when they opened the season. And if you tell me Florida loses that game, that's not the worst thing in the world. But losing the game and being bad on special teams, losing the game and being heavily penalized, losing the game and looking totally discombobulated with certain in-game decisions, that's not Billy Napier. I was standing next to an NFL guy at that game on the sideline, and he said, can you believe this? And I said, well, what do you mean? Because I think I know where you're going, but what do you mean? And he said, can you believe that a Napier-coached team looks this undisciplined? That's, that's what has to change. And there's a lot of push down there behind the scenes. For those of you who don't follow Florida very closely, there's a big push for Napier to not just make new hires, but restructure uh, the mechanisms of how his program functions day to day. Nevertheless, how it functions on Saturday. And uh, you don't owe it as a coach. You don't owe it to the public to lay out your entire game plan or anything like that. But it's been kind of wishy-washy right now about how they're going to go about all that. So I think what they have to look like this fall, even against an impossible looking schedule, is they have to look improved intangibly. If you're intangibly improved, if you look more disciplined, if you're less penalized, if you just if you just tighten up the operation, you'll squeak out a few close wins that are the difference between five and seven and eight and four or something like that. And look, I know eight and four is not the vintage Gator standard, but if you were to see Florida go eight and four against the schedule this year, or if I were to see him go eight and four at least, I'd feel really confident. Like ironically, even with an eight-win season, I'd feel like, man, they've turned a corner and good. Billy Napier got him off his back a little bit, and I don't know what the 2025 schedule looks like, but I know it can't be that bad. Next up, we had something from Jeff. Uh, he wanted to know, what do you make of the ESPN versus college football playoff standoff? Okay, so what Jeff is talking about here is something that's been going on for a little while, and as you know, if you listen to the show or watch the show, I've vaguely referenced this a time or two or three or four, and that is the 2026 playoff and beyond is not decided. And I don't mean there are bells and whistles. There are I's to dot and T's to cross. I have meant literally that. Nothing's decided. It is a blank slate. Okay, so the thinking has been that even though that's the case, these people will eventually get it figured out and they will come to a consensus on not only whether there's going to be 12 teams or not, what the format's going to be. And for the record, as I'm recording this, news just came down that they have adopted the 5-7 format for the 12-team playoff over the next two years. And that just means they're going to have five auto bids instead of six. And they're going to be seven at-large spots instead of six. Um, you know my thoughts on that. I'm not a big auto bid guy anyway. But anyway, so they'll get that figured out. Uh, and then they'll get the carriage package or the carrier package figured out, the, the TV media rights deal package, where you're going to watch the games, in other words. There's just a blind assumption they'll get all that done. Okay, so then we've seen reporting from The Athletic recently that's indicated, well, there is a tentatively finalized deal between ESPN and the college football playoff. It's over a billion per year, and they're ready to press play on it right now but it still has to be ratified. It still has to be accepted by this other playoff committee over here. And that hasn't happened yet. The commissioners and whatnot, that hasn't happened yet. And it's being presented as a standoff. 
And earlier today, Stuart Mandel with The Athletic, he teamed up with Andrew Marchand and Nicole Auerbach, Chris Vanini. A number of people contributed to this piece over on The Athletic. But there was a quote. There was a quote in the article, and it's meant to fearmonger. but your boy here just had hearts for eyes reading this. There was a quote in this piece that said, What's the, and this is someone speaking. This is not them editorializing. This is an, an anonymous source speaking to them. The source said, what's the alternative? No playoff, said a source involved in the discussions. That's not feasible. That would be a disaster. Really, would it? Would no playoff be a disaster? God forbid we go back to, what, 2004 or seven or nine. But what terrible just out in the wilderness years those were for college football. Oh, wait, hold on. I, I, I'm being told college football was awesome back then. Anyway, um, it wouldn't be. But they will get it done. Make no mistake. This is not some fantasy world I'm living in trying to drag you into. They will get it done. I selfishly, now I'm going to speak purely from a selfish perspective here, wish that it would be taken to market. And I wish more networks would bid on it. I'd love to see my company bid on it. I'd love to see Fox put in a big bid. I would love to see it look like the NFL playoffs because that's one thing I think that league gets right that we haven't had. And that is, if you're going to have a big playoff, have everyone in on it instead of one network holding the entirety of the cards. Now, for the record, before I move on here, the way it seems like this is going to work, regardless of whether ESPN gets the whole package or not, is even if they get the whole package... They reserve the right to do what is called sub-licensing games. And that's where I, ESPN, own the rights to the entire playoff. But if you, NBC, come to me and say, we'd love to pay $100 million for two of the first-round playoff games, I have the right to sell those to you. And you can broadcast them, and they're NBC broadcasts, but I own them. It's kind of like, and I know you're already thinking this, so I'll say it. It's kind of like in the train world where you have shared power. You know, we're a CSX city, for example, here in Nashville. But sometimes there's a Norfolk Southern engine that's rolling through. And what's happened is Norfolk Southern has borrowed a CSX engine somewhere in like Washington. And so they're letting you return the favor. And so all of a sudden you have foreign power on CSX trackage here in Nashville, and it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. Well, that's the same way in 2028 if you've got Michigan at Arkansas, and what a first-round matchup that would be for many reasons, and all of a sudden ESPN owns the game, but it's on Fox. Well, how did that happen? Sub-licensing is how it happened. All right, that's boring, so we move on. Next question is really good, though. Let's take a sip of coffee here. Hmm. I really wish you guys could see this. Actually, you you will be able to because I shared it on social. We work in a building where there are a lot of studios. Kind of like I would imagine Nickelodeon was back in the day. Just studios everywhere. And you walk around the building. Oh, cool, a studio that's not being used. Well, there is this really nice radio studio that the folks at CMT used to use. And they don't use it so much anymore. So we looked at it and looked at it. And looked at it again. And finally, Director Colin and Producer Jesse and I said, that's it. We're doing it. Next Late Kick Extra Pod, we're doing it. And so we've come in here, and it's very cozy. And we are, we are teetering, teetering very much on the brink of just never leaving the studio. So we got to be really careful here. But it's nice. It's very nice. All right. Um, let's go to Logan's question. Logan's in Beverly, Ohio. Beautiful this time of year. And he said, 
Who do you think will be the next coach to become a first-time national champion? You know we have three active head coaches who have won national championships. Can you name them? Can you Just boom, boom, boom. Kirby's one of them, yeah. And maybe you got Dabo, but Saban's gone. Jimbo's gone. They're not there anymore. Urban's gone. He's not here anymore. The third one is Mac Brown. Mac Brown, kids. Yes, you could be a full-grown adult right now and have no recollection of Mac Brown winning a championship because it happened in 2005 at Texas. It's pre-playoff. By several years, it's pre-playoff. It's almost a decade before the playoff began. So anyway, uh, one of my soapboxes that I won't get on for very long here is one of the dumbest things in our sport or life is when someone says, what has he won? Anytime you mention a coach's name, mention Luke Fickle's name. Well, yeah, but what has he won? As if to insinuate, you have to have won a championship, a literal national title for you to be validated. Otherwise, you're just trash. There's this massive landfill over here, and then there are three coaches who don't belong on the landfill. Pure insanity, just mouth-breathing, window-licking, knuckle-dragging logic, but I deal with it constantly. You deal with it constantly. So we got Norvell, trash. Sark, trash. Brian Kelly, trash. Why? Because they hadn't won anything. Well, if you believe that, Cool. The rest of us are going to speak amongst ourselves for just a second here because there is another group, we're included, who doesn't believe just because you hadn't won a national title, you're trash. So, for example, who's the next head coach to win a first national championship? Sark's got to be right up there. Sark was in the playoff last year. And Steve Sarkeesian still has these people wandering around suggesting that last year was a flash in the pan and he can't do this and he can't do that. And my thoughts on can't versus haven't are well-documented at this point. Sark's not a can't guy. Sark's just a has-not guy. And so Steve Sarkeesian, the reason I mention him as percentage-wise, being maybe the most likely head coach among the ones who haven't won to win a national title, is because he's going to be in the picture every year. The way they're acquiring talent, it's going to be in the picture every year. Texas coming into this season, it's Georgia, Ohio State, and Texas in the preseason national title odds. And you'll notice Ohio State's number two and Oregon's number four. Those are two of the other names. Ryan Day, Ryan Day, I've got a bunch of you who tell me he can't win one. He can't win the big game, period, you're telling me. Now, you may be right about that, but I still believe it's a difference between can't and has not or haven't. And I'm going to say that about Ryan Day until he is literally no longer the coach there because I believe in the guy. Believe he's got what it takes. And I also believe, look, if if you're acquiring that kind of talent every year, it doesn't guarantee anything. Talent has never guaranteed anything. Lack of talent has guaranteed something. But having the talent does not necessarily guarantee anything. What it does is it makes sure you're going to be able to take your shot every year. If, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm in a situation where I've got the 60th best roster in the sport, I could do everything right. I'm not going to win a title. If I've got the second or third best roster in the sport, I could do some stuff wrong and still win a title. You get what I'm saying there? So Saban didn't win a title every year. He was at Bama, but he had a shot every year. Kirby's not going to win a title every year. He's got a shot every year. Ryan Day's going to have a shot every year. Sark's going to have a shot. You know who else is going to have a shot? Dan Lanning at Oregon's going to have a shot every year for the foreseeable future because they're going to make sure they have the caliber of player on campus 
that they need to, and they're going to have the depth on campus that they need to, which you're not used to saying about West Coast teams, but uh, you're going to have to say it about them. Oregon's not a West Coast team. Oregon's just a national college football team that happens to be able to see the Pacific Ocean from their doorstep, but they're joining the Big Ten. You know, they're newcomers on the block, and just like people are doing with Texas and OU down in the SEC, some folks are looking at USC or Oregon or, or Washington or UCLA. They're looking at them and they're almost of this mentality that since you're new, you go sit in the back of the bus and work your way up. Oregon's not going to the back of the bus. Oregon's taking one of your seats near the front of the bus and you're going to have to move back. Next to Ohio State, Oregon's recruiting better than anyone does in the Big Ten today. They're walking in with one of the premier rosters in the conference. They are one of the premier recruiting operations in the conference. That's not going to dissipate, certainly, from being in the Big Ten. It's only going to increase in velocity, if anything. So they're going to be there every year. So you got, I mean, what did I just mention? I mentioned Sark. I mentioned Ryan Day. I mentioned Dan Lanning. Kalen DeBoer is at Alabama. Same thing, going to have the resources, going to have the kind of roster, and this may be where we have some disagreement because you may not think he's going to recruit at a high enough level. I do think that, but I will grant you time will tell on that. I could put Kalen DeBoer in there. I could put Mike Norvell at Florida State in there. This may be a year and a half ago would be one where you push back and you say, well, yeah, but he's a G5 guy. Are they really going to operate at the level that you need to there? Yeah, they are. They are. I would have granted you that argument a year and a half ago. I have no doubt about Mike Norvell anymore. I think folks will look back on the 2023 season and think it was sad for Florida State, which it was an outcome. But I've I've long since kind of reversed my feeling on that season. I'm not going to define it as whether a team got screwed out of it or not. I look at it and say, wow, Mike Norvell answered all the questions. I've had Florida State fans tell me he already had answered our questions. Okay. You know your program better than I do. So maybe he had answered yours before he had answered mine. Either way, we got all our questions answered now. So Sark, maybe. Ryan Day needs to be there. DeBoer, Dan Lanning, Mike Norvell. But will there be a coach that's not on that list? Could Josh Heupel be that guy? Could Hugh Freeze be that guy? Brent Venables. You know, I mentioned Luke Fickle earlier in the pod. Could he be that guy? Interesting times. Interesting times. Uh, Courtney asked about the Pate State Speaker Series and what's an update on that. Well, the Pate State Speaker Series, what it is, for those unfamiliar, is I don't like being here in spring. I don't like being cooped up in a studio. So we are going to take the show on the road a whole lot. And it's going to be a situation where I get as many names on this show and get you access with as many coaches as we can. We are starting this in less than 10 days. Won't be every show. And, and I will not be announcing a grand list. In fact, I probably will sneak these up on you guys, but you'll just randomly see us pop up all over the place. And we are going to have, we already got locked in, several one-on-one -on -one extended conversations with the biggest head coaches in college football. These are going to be different than typical ping-pong ball, Q&A, Q&A, Q&A type interviews. You're going to love it. You've already seen us do it before. I think this will be a little bit more intimate format even than I've shown you from our perspective. And so it's going to be really good. I'll get you a ton of access. I, you know, I obviously have the iJosh in hand when I go to these places. We, we get open door access everywhere. So we, we sit in staff meetings, not that I can show you that. 
We'll sit in staff meetings at a lot of these places, work out in the weight room. I can show you that. Uh, obviously, you see all around the facilities. So we have a whole lot of fun doing this, but it's not a vacation for me. Like when we're going there, our purpose is to take the curtain on the major programs in college football and peel it back as far as we can so you get to see behind the scenes. And the reason I do that, number one, is because it's really good content. Number two, when I was growing up and to this day, I was as fascinated with the behind the scenes mechanisms of any kind of major operation as I was what was on stage. Concerts, you may be fascinated that Taylor Swift's performing to 60,000 people. I want to see how many trucks it takes. I want to see how you pipe and drape a major stadium. I want to see construction and tear down, load in, load out. I'm fascinated by that stuff. When we're at football games, I try and show you guys as much of that as I can. I used to watch pro wrestling, and it would make me so mad that when the wrestler walked up the ramp and went behind the curtain, the camera didn't follow him. I wanted to see behind the scenes. So I don't, I don't think everyone's like that. But I also think some of you are like that and you don't know it. And by that, I mean, if I were to show you some of the internal operations at these places, you'd say, wow, that's crazy. And I never would have even thought about that. So that is our purpose with the Pate State Speaker Series. And that will launch very, very soon. We're going to a number of places this spring. Number of places. All right, next up. Do we have the nonsense tweet? Okay, so this morning, let me walk you through this. Uh, this morning... I scheduled a tweet to go out. Anytime we're going to do the Late Kick Extra Pod, I schedule a tweet to go out. It's just, hey, we're, we're recording a pod. Send me your questions. Simple enough, right? So it got desimplified this morning. I checked my laptop. Just, just about to walk out the door, I checked my laptop to see, hey, do we have some really good replies? I got to be honest with you. I've read this thing like 15 times now, and I'm more confused now than the first time I read it. So I ask for questions. NBA Volboy hits us and says, this is verbatim. I think it goes without saying, you need to address the fact that you can't really have much that to do but can't feel how that necessarily can't become what you don't see. Now it gets really interesting. To be honest, that would have not much been even more so than that. Dot, dot, dot. But even after you can't really got to have that without. It's a cry for help. That much is obvious. But I don't know what kind of help he needs. The replies were, as you would expect. Uh, in fact, I encourage you to go look at them because I retweeted this this morning. Um, wherever you are and however you are, NBA Volboy, T's and P's, and thank you for listening to the pod. Next up. I always love doing this because I always love hearing radio. Uh, we're in a radio studio right now, so I feel the need to just scrunch the paper in the microphone to make it feel authentic. Logan hit us, and Logan said, Last podcast, you said at the end of the day, you want to see the best of the best play each other, i.e. Ohio State versus Georgia. But why not see a team like Utah in there? I think it would be great for the sport and give some semblance of hope of fans of teams outside the usual power teams. And that's Logan from Columbia, Missouri. Logan, I'm with you. I'm with you uh, to, a, to a certain degree. So if we were to watch the season play out, and let's take Utah, for example. If we watch this season play out, and Utah 
looked like Washington did last year. I'm all for Utah being in there, and especially because they will have earned their way. What I'm not for is I'm I'm not for this this artificial environment where we create an auto bid class, and then let's just say, for example, let's say Utah were to be a very flawed team. They have a good quarterback, but they have a very flawed team. They lose two games, but they win the Big 12. And they get in the playoff because they won the Big 12 and there's an auto bid. And then they happen to face a couple of teams that have just massive amounts of injuries. Like, let's say a Florida State situation. Let's say Utah played a couple of those teams. And they all of a sudden end up in the semifinal round or get to the title game. Well, that right there is not fun for me to watch. Conversely, if Utah's dominating and they're facing legit teams at full strength and they're beating them, I'm all for Utah. In in my perfect world, I'd rather have that. I'd rather have 15 or 20 programs out there that we go into any given year, look at and say, that team right there does not even need any breaks. They could just flat out win a title this year. That's never been college football. I wish it were. That's never been college football. There is no way to reverse engineer college football to be that way, in case you think that's where I'm about to go. I don't think any amount of portal or NIL is going to make it that way. I don't think the structure we have with portal NIL right now is is sustainable or is long-term. So that kind of stuff, I think, is very much in a window phase, and it will be phased out in the not-too-distant future, where you'll probably revert back to where the sport's normally been. That's a few programs dominating, and then you have a few more who could rotate in any given year, and then you got a few more where you could see them do what TCU did and shine one year, but it's bookended by five and seven seasons. So I'd love to see that, but I, I know what reality is in college football. Reality's been you got the haves and have-nots. So if you give me that world, well, in a playoff, I want to see the haves facing the haves. I was down there in Atlanta. In fact, I was standing under the upright, when Ohio State missed that field goal to try and beat Georgia a couple of years ago in the semifinal game, in the Peach Bowl. And I remember thinking, I think I just watched the national title game, and I did. I did, because no disrespect to TCU, but they were never going to be capable of putting a product on the field the following week superior to either of those teams. And I think there have been SEC championship games like that in years past. Remember 2012? Remember when, I believe it was Bama, Georgia in Atlanta in the SEC title game, and you know the winner is going to face Notre Dame. Now, there were people out there who thought Notre Dame had a shot. Uh, There were other people who thought the winner in Atlanta will skull drag Notre Dame. And I don't know if Georgia would have. I think they would. I know Bama did. So we're watching that game and we're saying, I feel more excited about the SEC title game than I do whatever the national title game is going to be. The reason is because you had tier one teams going at it. And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking that way. You can wish in one hand and think in the other hand, which is not exactly the old Meemaw quote, but it's close enough. Um, I'll tell you, I want to get this one here. So Michael hit me with a question. I think we get about four times a year. I answer it maybe twice a year. Just wants to know, Josh, what do you think the perfect college football weather is? If I can dial up a Saturday, what do we want? And I think this is very relevant, especially because this coming year, guys, I don't know if you've thought this far ahead, but this coming year, 2024, there may be 
a situation where Wisconsin goes to the playoff and they're facing Miami and it's early December and it's 28 degrees and it's snowing sideways in Madison. That could happen this year. I know you guys have fantasized about that because there are those amongst us who believe cold, snowy weather is football weather. And I love watching it on TV just like you do. No one loves a good weather game more so than your boy here. But that's not what he asked. He asked, what are the ideal conditions? And to me, ideal includes conditions I'm going to have to be in. So as someone who has been at the Ohio State-Michigan game the past three consecutive years, and someone who was at Washington-Oregon State this past year, where somehow it felt colder, even though it was just raining, I want about 68 to 72 degrees, and I want passing clouds, and I want otherwise sunny conditions. It's also early enough in the year where the sunlight lasts. You know what? Scratch that. Scratch that. Let's have that classic 3.30 window. Let's have the first half played in daytime. And let's have mid-70s. Low to mid-70s. That way we get the sunset midway through third quarter. We're playing the fourth quarter in prime time at night. And the temperature's still in the 60s, so it feels great. Um, The air is dry. It's crisp. These are my perfect conditions. Now... I would venture to think I may be in the minority on this. Would have to take a poll. I know a lot of you love warm weather, but there there are a ton of folks, and I used to be this way. There are a ton of folks who want bad weather for football games and think that that's football weather. I don't know what changed about me. Maybe I sold out. Maybe I sold out to the warm weather lobby because for a long time, a vast chunk of my life, not only did I want to play games in bad conditions, like you, you show me rain in the forecast for one of our football games. I'm, I'm, I'm into it, man. But nowadays, I don't like it so much. I like the warm weather. I don't know what changed. That has changed about me as a person, though. Now, I will get excited if we have a legit snowstorm happen in Nashville, legit by Southern standards. But if we're just going to have, you know, like a couple of inches, I'd rather just have 60 degrees. I am not interested in it anymore. And I feel the same way about football games. And it's very unpredictable. I don't know whether itself is unpredictable, but I, I have become, by my own standards, very unpredictable. Like I have no clue when I'm about to do this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. For those unfamiliar... That is called the Rogue Kamikaze Ad Toss, and I never know when it's coming until I myself do it, and you will not know it's coming. And if you say you saw it coming, you're a liar, and that's the rule. That's just the way we operate this here pod. Next up, I can't even read it because it's on the monitor in front of me that's small, but our next question comes from Santa Monica, California, and the question is, why is having Ohio State and Oregon play three times a bad thing at all? We don't complain when it happens in the NFL, and it's about as good as college football gets with two teams that good facing off. All right. What we're talking about here is a potential starting this season where teams could play three times. Case in point, Oregon and Ohio State play in the regular season in Eugene. They could very well face off in the Big Ten title game. They could both make the playoff and face off in the playoff. Thus, three times in one season. This could happen with Alabama and Georgia this year. This could happen with Ohio State and Michigan this year. This could happen in a number of different scenarios. Anywhere you've got no divisions and a conference title game and two pretty good teams, this could happen. Why would it be a bad thing? Because I think more of a good thing can diminish how good that thing is. Very basic economic principle. If I have a dollar bill in front of me, that thing's worth a dollar. If I print off 700 trillion other ones, it's not worth what it once was worth. This is the logic I've always used when it comes to the playoff period. I'm not debating the playoff right now, but I am telling you when I used to debate the playoff and I was team BCS or team four and no more, and you'd have other folks who wanted eight games or, or eight teams or 12 teams. That's the logic they would throw in my face. They would say, how can you deny more football would be better? And I used to always be so puzzled that I'm the one who has to answer that. Like, you think you got me. Buddy, that's not the flex you think it is. The basic principle of scarcity is you cannot increase the amount of something and have that something maintain the same value that it had before. Just basic economic and scarcity principles. So in college football, if I know Ohio State's playing Oregon, I'm building up to that thing. Because I know it's happening once that Saturday 
and I've got to enjoy it because it's so rare. It's so awesome. It builds the magnitude and value of having to watch that game. Now, we do live in a world right now where we sometimes see rematches in conference title games. We will see more of them because there are no divisions anymore in places like the Big Ten. And I can live with that, but even the second time around, especially if the first matchup happened later in the season, I don't know how you maintain the illusion that it's worth the same thing. And look, you talked about Oregon-Ohio State because that's something I mentioned on the show the other night. Let's do Ohio State-Michigan for just a second. You're telling me that you could watch Michigan play Ohio State in late November this year and have the outcome be whatever it is, and they play seven days later in Indianapolis, and then they play again two weeks down the road. So they would play three times in a month calendar-wise, and you think that would be awesome. If you say yes to that, we just disagree. We have difference of opinion on that. I don't think it's cool in the NFL. You said we never complain about it in the NFL. I think it's lame when it happens in the NFL. Um, And a lot of times, the first matchup happens where the teams already know they're in the playoff or whatnot, so they rest their starters, and that's lame to me. So I don't think it would be – I think it's something that sounds good, but we call that bumper sticker logic around here, where you say something – and then the thing that you're saying actually happens, and you know, oh, this, this, hmm, this sounded a lot better than it actually feels, than it actually looks, than it actually is. I, I, I am, in a very, very backwards way, sort of excited for it to happen because I think it's a flaw in the system. I think it's a flaw, and I almost want us to go ahead and get it out of the way in year one. I want to see Georgia, Bama, or or Ohio State, Oregon go ahead and play three times because I want to find out. Number one, am I right? Or does it just feel awesome three times? Number two, if it doesn't feel awesome, does everyone else feel the same way? And number three, if everyone else feels the same way, do they throw their hands up and say, well, nothing we can do now? Or do they work to change it? Do they work to alter it? I don't know how you alter it short of getting rid of conference championship games or saying, I actually don't know what the other rule would be because you can't can't format the playoff by saying no rematch is possible. You could only do that in the first round. I remember Major League Baseball, I don't know if they still do, they used to have a rule where in their expanded playoff, in the wild card round, you couldn't face a team from your own division. And that's why the Braves had to play the Cubs in 2003 instead of the Marlins. But I, um, I don't know if they still do that. But anyway, I'd be interested to see how that plays out. I think I'm right on this. I think I know how I would feel about it. Now, as we all know, sometimes the way I feel is not the way a lot of other people feel. But three times, and it's just going to be awesome every time? I don't know about that. Uh-uh. I don't know. Also, here's another, here's another little scenario to think about. What would it be like if Ohio State went into Eugene and won, and Ohio State won the second game in the Big Ten title game? But Oregon was 10 and 2, or 11 and 2, I guess, in that case. And they still get like an 11 seed or a 12 seed. And they fight their way through, and they end up playing Ohio State and beating them. So Ohio State goes 2 and 1 against Oregon in a year, and they're out. And Oregon goes on to do whatever they do in the playoff. Did they earn it? Yeah. Should you ever get three cracks at a team in a season? Probably not, but whatever. Uh, Next up. 
we're going to we're going to talk about somebody that I don't think we've talked about in quite a while. Eden from Covington, Louisiana, said, "How have you guys been? I know what you do can be emotionally draining at times, but I appreciate all the hard work you do and what you put into making the content. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Eden." I thought that was going to be a Dan Mullen question, but I was wrong. But don't worry. We're about to talk about Mullen. I appreciate it. We're doing fine. We're doing wonderful. Sometimes you have to pinch yourself and remind yourself that you get to talk about college football for a living. Um, candidly, I would say this may be our busiest time of the year. So we're working on a lot of stuff. Some of it you'll see in the next 10 days. Some of it you'll see in the next couple of months. Some of it you won't see until this fall. We're always working on stuff this time of year. Everything, if you have an idea in September or October or November or early December, the same thing happens to it. It gets put on a shelf, and that shelf says January, February, March. And that's when you go and you you attack all your off-season projects. So we're good. We got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it's a very uncertain time in our business. It's in a massive state of flux. You probably read those headlines yourself. And so there's, there's very little uh, certain footing, and we have good footing here with this show because, because of you guys. This show is immensely successful, makes a ton of money, and that makes management happy, and that means we get left alone. So we're good, and I thank you all the time. I'll thank you once more. We, we are in a very blessed position because of you guys. We work very hard, but there are a lot of folks working hard out there that are out of a job right now or do not know how long they'll have one. And it's not through any fault of their own. It just is the way it is. We are not in that position because of you guys. So we don't take it lightly. I'm speaking for everyone here. We don't take it lightly. We appreciate it. All right, now let's move along. Alex from Gainesville, I can only assume Florida, because he said, how do you view Dan Mullen as a candidate for another major coaching job now that NIL has taken some pressure off the coach in recruiting? He can jump in whenever he wants to. Dan Mullen is in one of the best positions, one of the most privileged positions that someone who lost their job could ever hope to be in because his stock is rising every year. It's called the John Gruden effect. Gruden got fired once upon a time, went and sat in the Monday Night Football booth, did his Gruden QB camp on ESPN once or twice a month, and that stock just went up and up and up. And the reason is not because he was turning into any different a person, the reason is not because he was a different coach from sitting in a booth than he had been when he was on the field not performing at a high enough level for his boss's liking. The reason is because humans make these hires. And in many cases, that human is not a football savant. And so you can impress them talking ABC123. You don't really have to talk calculus. You can talk basic arithmetic that any coach worth his or her salt would be able to do, and you can impress some of these people. There's no better place to do that than on a television screen. Yeah, folks like me can sound like we could coach if all we have to do is talk about it, and we all know that's not true. So imagine taking someone who actually is a brilliant football mind and putting them in a, in a studio, and they get to question and second guess. They get to make predictions. They get to never be wrong. That's the world Dan Mullen lives in right now. And you know who sees him? Not some people. Like when you're the head coach at Florida, you have a press conference. Your fans hear it. And maybe if you wear a Darth Vader costume, maybe the nation hears it. But by and large, it's pretty insulated to the region and your fan base hears you. When you're on national TV, everyone hears you. Not just fans. 
chancellors hear you, presidents hear you, athletic directors hear you. And so Dan Mullen has gotten several offers. Don't kid yourself. Dan Mullen, if he really was just dying to get back into coaching, would be in coaching already. Several years in to a new coaching tenure, by the way. Because he could have had one the moment he got fired at Florida. He just sits and waits. There's no hurry. The buyout life is such that you don't have to jump in. He's not hurting for money. And so Dan Mullen's doing what, frankly, I think several other guys may desire or long to do. Now, they don't want to get fired. But I told you, and I've told you for a couple of months now, I know of active head coaches who have mentioned Mullen's name to me specifically, not in a pejorative manner, but they've they've spoken Dan Mullen's name and they've said, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to retire, quote unquote, and go do what Dan Mullen's doing, only to know I'm coming back, but just to wait and pick and choose the moment I reenter the sport. And the thinking right now from some, although they haven't done it, the thinking from some is I could step away now. I'm 45, I'm 50, I'm 53. I could step away. I could go work as long as I wanted to. I could still make plenty good enough money and I'm already financially set anyway. I've made tens of millions of dollars coaching a game and I could spend more time with my kids and I could have a much freer, looser schedule. There'd be much lower stress. And all the while, I'm on the phone with my agent a couple of times a week and he's fielding offers indefinitely, as long as I want him to. And I give him five names. I give him five universities that I'm willing to go to. And we just wait for one to open. There's incredible churn in this sport. So Dan Mullen, if the job he wants isn't open right now, it'll be open unless he has his eye on one. Uh, Most coaches don't just have their eye on one. Uh, But even if you do, if it's not coming open until 2031, who cares? You're sitting in a studio. It's no sweat off your back. Who cares? So, yeah, Dan Mullen will come back. There's no way Dan Mullen's coached his last game. No way. But there's also no way Dan Mullen's sitting there, you know, on the phone with his agent, pouring sweat, tie undone, top two buttons undone, scratching his neck. You got to get me in anywhere. I'll take anything. I'll coach middle school if I have to. That's not the way it has to be for the Dan Mullins of the world. Next up. Let's talk about um, Cam Ward. You guys know who Cam Ward is? Yeah, quarterback, formerly at Washington State. Luke hit me and said, new subscriber to the channel, love the content. Thanks for being a leading voice in college football. Those are Luke's words, not mine. There are a lot of Lukes out there who really support and respect me, and I appreciate that. He continues, do you think Cam Ward will go over his 3,700-yard mark from when he was at Washington State with the Miami Hurricanes this year from Miami, Florida? No. No. I'm doing this thing this year where I take guys out of the portal and I have default low expectations so that I get surprised a lot instead of disappointed a lot. So Cam Ward's a stud. Cam Ward flirted with the NFL and then decided to go to Miami instead. I have no doubt about his ability. 3,700 yards is what he had last year, a little over 37, 25 passing touchdowns. He had a great year. Will he do that at Miami? He's capable of it, yes. I am going to be of the assumption that every transfer portal player is going to achieve below the level of expectation, and I'm going to be wrong a lot, but I want to be pleasantly surprised that you overachieved. 
what I don't want to do is the same thing people do in the totals market when the over-under win totals come out and they only bet overs and then a bunch of unders hit and then you look back in December and say, well, if I would have only known this, well, who could have seen that? Okay, well, I don't want my heart broken in December. I want to instead be doing segments where I say, good for him. Wow, man, I didn't see that coming. That's fun. That's nice. That's warm December content instead of, boy, we really fumbled that one, didn't we? Because in the transfer portal market, just I'm not speaking about Cam Ward now, just broaden it for a second. In general, when guys are transferring, they're transferring for any of a number of reasons, but the career is not exactly stable at the moment. And you're also having to, especially as a quarterback, go and learn new ter terminology, work with a new offense coordinator, familiarize yourself with not only a new city and a new campus and new this and that, new teammates, uh, new receivers, new O-line, new backs, new tight ends. And you're gotta, you got to be the guy. Like it's not, it's not like Dante Moore at Oregon where he's coming in this year and the plan is for him to sit. Dylan Gabriel will be at the helm and then it'll be his next year. Well, if that were the case, it'd be a different conversation. So Cam Ward, 3,700 yards. No, I'm not going to choose him. I'm not going to, not going to predict that he has that many. And also what if he has 3,200? Miami probably still won a ton of games this year. So I'm going to take the wait and see approach. I don't want to, I don't want to be guilty of overhyping Miami, which I've never done, never done, and never will, and I challenge you to prove otherwise here. But Cam Ward, it's a big pickup. Big pickup. Now spring ball starts. Now let's all just watch together. I had one more question about, what was it, Michigan? Yeah. So George hit me and said, will Michigan repeat from Port Huron, Michigan? No, they will not repeat as national champs this year. Again, not one for making predictions in February, but if you're giving me a yes-no proposition here, of course they won't repeat. It was hard for them to win it last year. It's really hard to win a national championship. It's insanely hard to repeat. And uh, they've also, just to give you guys an idea, if you checked out after the national title game and you're just now coming back to the table, of course you know Harbaugh's gone. But they lost Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator. They lost a special teams coordinator. They lost their strength and conditioning guy, who was a big-name fixture in and around Ann Arbor. They lost a D-line coach, DBs. They lost their best quarterback in J.J. McCarthy to the draft. Number one running back's gone. Top two receivers are gone. Number two tight end. They lost 5-0 linemen with 30 or more starts. They lost a star defensive lineman. Three linebackers with 30 or more starts are gone. Lost two key DBs. Like, that's a new team. It's a new team with a new head coach and new staff. I mean, are Michigan fans even going to predict that? I don't think they are. This is not hating or anything like that. I'd be really surprised if I talk to my Michigan fans. we got a ton of them who watch the show. I mean, if, if I get any disagreement on this, you guys really predicting yourself to win the national championship. Now, here's what's fun. What's fun, I got one Michigan buddy who texted me the other night about Ryan Day. And he said, are you really about to build up Ryan Day? Are you really about to pump these people full of confidence this year? And I said, I'm glad you asked because, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I believe in Ohio State this year. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but I've believed in them the last few years, and they've lost. That's what you can tell me. But he said, that's okay. You believe in Ryan Day all you want to. It'll make it that much sweeter when a supposed inferior Michigan team beats them again this November. How about that? How about we've gotten to the point? How quickly things change. Just in 36 months, things have changed from thinking, 
woe is us, there's nothing we can do, Ohio State's a behemoth, we can't get over that hump, to it doesn't matter how much they build up, it doesn't matter how much we're gutted, it's just Michigan, the brand, is superior now to Ohio State, the brand, and we'll just we'll just get it done. We'll just figure it out. That's like when the Patriots had Tom Brady at their peak. You looked and you said, wow, Randy Moss is gone now? Wow, this guy and that guy's gone? The Patriot way will carry the day. And a lot of times it did. The Michigan way, Michigan men, will find a way. Will they? Will they? Well, if you can beat Ohio State this year, it stands to reason you're probably on track to make the playoff. And if you do that, anything can happen. So whomst is to say, really? We got a little while to figure that out. I appreciate you guys for checking out the pod. Make sure you do me one favor. You just need to subscribe. And this is the time of year where I need you to make sure you are subscribed because a lot of you think you are, but you aren't. So just check, make sure. And if you aren't, do it. And it doesn't cost you anything, obviously. It just helps us. So I appreciate you guys so much. For producer Jesse, for director Colin, for Bradley the associate, I'm Josh Pate. Take care, have a great rest of your day, and God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.